sweethearts. Welcome to Love Letters 2. I'm Melissa. Hey, friends. I'm Alicia. We're so glad you came to join us today. You're bringing us our love letter today to open up this week on Love Letters 2. Yes, I am. And I have a love letter today that has everything you could imagine. It's got intrigue and excitement, adventure, danger, suspense, romance, humor, and tragedy. So it covers all the bases. Dear Christina Scarbeck, a.k.a. Christine Granville, born into a Polish aristocratic family in 1908, you were charming and beautiful. Named Christina Scarbeck at birth, you would also become known as Christine Granville later in life. Although you were born into aristocracy, you were never fully accepted by the other aristocrats because you had Jewish blood. Your mother was an incredibly wealthy banking heiress, but she was Jewish, and that stigma followed you throughout your childhood. You were taught horsemanship, shooting, and excelled at all upper-class activities and sports, especially skiing. And you won a national beauty pageant in 1929. Wow. But you excelled at nothing quite like captivating the men around you. This would be an asset you would use to the fullest when it came to your spy activities. Not only would you use your charm and beauty to help you succeed on your secret missions, you would also leave a trail of heartbroken men in your wake. From a young age, you craved fun, adventure, and even danger. And when war came to your country, you did not hesitate to act. You tried to enlist in the war effort in 1939 when the Nazis invaded Poland, but were turned away because you were a woman. But you weren't going to take no for an answer. So you went to London, walked into the Secret Service office, and demanded to be sent on a mission. You presented them with a plan for how you would do this. The plan you had developed is nothing short of something we would see in a James Bond movie. You plan to ski into Nazi-occupied Poland and deliver British propaganda. The startled British officer that you first met with went into his superiors and said, quote, she is a flaming Polish patriot, an expert skier, and great adventurous. I really believe we have a prize. By Jove, this plan just might work. Can you imagine? I cannot, but I wish I could have seen the expression on the face of that officer. They had not seen her coming. Apparently no one has. (laughs) So they welcomed your bravado and they happily accepted your offer. And in so doing, you became Britain's first female special agent during World War II. And although you didn't know it then, you would end up being the longest serving female special agent during the war as well. Dropping this information in Poland was crucial to the resistance because the Polish government had actually fled the country and the Polish people needed all the encouragement and positive news they could get. The British agreed to let you ski your way into your native Poland to distribute this vital motivation to the newly building resistance effort in Poland. You skied through the Tatras Mountains from Hungary into Poland. 
This may not sound like a daunting trip, but it was actually the coldest winter in recorded history, reaching temperatures of 20 below. Oh, my God. And German soldiers the following spring found many thawing bodies of people who had tried to flee that very way. So clearly, this was a very dangerous thing to do, and many did not survive. But you, Christine, did, and you became a vital part of the resistance. You not only smuggled Allied propaganda into Poland, but you also smuggled intelligence out of Poland. Your Jewish heritage made these missions especially perilous for you. Even if you were not discovered as a spy, you could still have been imprisoned and killed just for being Jewish. You would make this skiing trip several times across those mountains into Poland to retrieve escaped Polish prisoners of war, bringing Polish refugees back into England. Although your charm was legendary and you definitely used your feminine wiles to help you accomplish your missions, you were also very skilled with real weapons as well. You were deadly with your pistol, but you actually preferred silent killing methods whenever possible. You always had a knife or two on you that you were quick and efficient with, but you often chose to kill Nazis with your bare hands whenever the circumstances allowed it. Oh, holy cats. Yes. I kind of love that about her. I understand the benefit of the silent killing because that's what they were taught to do whenever they could so that it was undetected. But I love that she didn't always reach for that knife. If she thought she could strangle them or put a chokehold on them in a way that would kill them, that's what she did apparently. Throughout the war, you carried out missions across Europe and the Middle East. You used your wits to outsmart the Nazis and escaped several times when you were captured. When arrested in Hungary in 1941, you were interrogated by the Gestapo and knew it was likely that your cover would be blown, resulted in you being tortured and killed. You shrewdly came up with an ingenious plan. You already had a cold, Christine, and were coughing a lot, so you decided you could use this to your advantage. You proceeded to bite your tongue until it was very bloody. In fact, enough blood that when you coughed, you could cough out blood, convincing your interrogators that you were suffering from tuberculosis. Them not wanting to be around someone with this deadly disease, you were promptly released. Genius. Genius. Once you were released, you were smuggled out of Hungary into Yugoslavia in the trunk of the British ambassador, Sir Owen O'Malley's car. He later said that you were, quote, the bravest person I ever knew. Another one of your brave and brazen acts was outwitting prison guards into letting their prisoners out. How did that plan work? Well, one of her lovers happened to be in this prison. And he was actually scheduled to be executed by firing squad, along with a few other prisoners later that day. So she went into the prison and told the guards that she was related to a senior British diplomat. And she was coming to tell them that the Allies had just landed. And then she convinced them that the only way they would be shown any mercy 
and not immediately shot by the allies would be to release all of their prisoners. It took her several hours, but eventually they agreed and they let all of the prisoners, including her lover, free. What a dame. Yes, she was. Christine, during your many missions to Poland and other occupied countries, you brought back crucial information that had the potential to change the entire course of the war, which of course meant it had the potential to change the course of history. Your sexual conquests during the war are well known now, and you were even rumored to have had an ongoing romantic relationship with Ian Fleming. No way! Yes, Ian Fleming, of course, would become the creator and author of the James Bond novels. This is a particularly interesting part of your story, Christine, because that affair would make you the inspiration for the original Bond girl. Ian Fleming also worked for British intelligence during World War II, and he used many of his experiences and the missions of the British intelligence to create the James Bond novels. Fleming described you this way to one of his friends, quote, she literally shines with all the qualities and splendors of a fictitious character, unquote. So it's no wonder that the first Bond girl, Vesper Lind, that Fleming created in the original James Bond novel, Casino Royale, in 1953, was based on you. Vesper was a nickname that your dad had given you when you were a child. So not only did he base the character on you, but he literally named her after you. This is amazing. It really is. And why wouldn't he? There was no spy more beautiful, charming, or captivating than you. And you always stayed calm under pressure. But Ian Fleming was far from the only man you charmed. Men were crazy about you and you had a significant impact on them. Okay, so here's where the little humor part comes into play. I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now. In a British intelligence report about your work while in Budapest, the report noted her attractiveness appeared to be causing some difficulty. Specifically, one of her suitors was threatening to shoot himself in his genital organs at her flat. He lost his nerve and shot himself in the foot instead. But as soon as he was able to walk, he threw himself into the Danube River, not realizing it was still half frozen. Instead of drowning, all he did was break his remaining good leg. Oh no. I just have to imagine that scene and I wonder, so this person, what did he think he was gonna prove by shooting himself in his genitals? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No, it's all nonsense. But that apparently happened, and there was a report about it. Okay. In July 1944, you parachuted into southern France to assist the French resistance fighters in advance of the American ground invasion, which was scheduled for the end of the summer. Your code name was Pauline Armand during this mission, and you became legendary again, among the British intelligence agents for what you did. One day, two German soldiers stopped you near the Italian border. They told you to put your hands in the air. You were caught. So you did. You put your hands in the air. And when you did, you revealed a grenade under each arm. Whoa! Pins already withdrawn. (gasps) 
and you threatened to drop them and kill all three of you if they didn't flee. Those German soldiers ran. I bet they did. You were always prepared, Christine. Some of the things you traveled with, other than your weapons, of course, were a rubber-coated cyanide tablet sewn into the hem of your skirt, a money belt. This one I just think is fascinating and brilliant. A silk scarf printed with the local map of wherever you were. Oh, that's genius. Genius. A compass hidden behind your hair clip and a magnifying glass placed in the end of a cigarette. You also had microfilm either sewn into the lining of your gloves or embedded into a block of soap. Christine, you were active in three theaters of the war for six years. This is incredible because in the dangerous field work behind enemy lines that you were doing, the average lifespan of a spy was six weeks. And she did it for six years? She did it for six years. Wow. You are often referred to as Churchill's favorite spy, and his own daughter confirmed that position. Sarah Churchill, who was an actress, was offered the role of playing you in a movie about your life. When asked why she accepted the role, she said she was my father's favorite spy. This story may seem all adventure and intrigue to an outsider, but there were many devastating aspects of your life as well. Your Jewish mother was arrested by the Gestapo and sent to a concentration camp where she was murdered. You would always see this as your inability to save her, and it would weigh very heavily on you. Many people actually believe that this contributed to what one British diplomat described as your, quote, almost pathological tendency to take risks. In addition to you losing your mother tragically, you also lost your beloved homeland after the war when Poland did not regain its independence, but rather was given to the communist Stalinist regime at the Yalta conference. So she had no home. Unfortunately, it gets worse from here. As is too often the case, after a person has been so active in a combat situation, they have a hard time transitioning back to a normal life afterward. And this was certainly the case for you, Christine. It did not help that you were very poorly treated at the end of the war by the countries that you had been risking your life for. Although you were awarded the George Medal by Britain in appreciation for your service, because you were a woman, you were ineligible for British military honors and had to accept the civil equivalent. Understandably, this outraged many of your female colleagues who were well aware of everything you had done. And one of them wrote about this situation that there was, quote, nothing remotely civil about what the British government had done. In May of 1945, a memo was put on your file that simply stated she is no longer wanted. And you were given 100 pounds and dismissed. As a former British agent and a former Polish aristocrat, you could not return to post-war communist-occupied Poland. But as a Pole and as a woman, it was made clear to you that Britain preferred you not to stay there either. You applied for jobs that were clearly below your ability, but without having secretarial skills, 
you were unable to find work. Your applications were dismissed, even though you were clearly a war hero. You were finally granted British citizenship reluctantly after asking for it many times. Again, in a country that had employed you to risk your life for six years for them. In paperwork later discovered with your citizenship papers, you were referred to as that girl and as a quote unquote headache. You ended up working as a housekeeper, a switchboard operator, and even a clerk at Harrods department store. Finally, in 1951, you took a job as a stewardess on an ocean liner out of desperation. This would end up having a tragic outcome for you. One day, the ship's captain ordered the crew to wear their wartime decorations. And so you wore the George Medal you had won. But this caused your English-born crewmates to deeply resent you. But you did have one ally, a bathroom attendant named George Muldowney, who defended you. And understandably, you were grateful for his support. But he misinterpreted that as a sign of romantic interest in him, and he became obsessed with you. Once you were back on land in London, he started to follow you. Today, we would call it stalking. As you were leaving your hotel room on June 15th of 1952, Muldowney confronted you. He demanded to know where you were going and how long you would be gone. When you didn't give him the response he wanted, he stabbed you in the chest and killed you. Christine was 44 years old. Oh, that is terrible. Mm -hmm. When arrested, he pleaded guilty and told the court that to kill was the final possession. And so it was a tragic and sad ending to a life so valiant, so daring, and so heroic. This final twist was something that even the most gifted of novelists would likely not impose on their readers because of the sheer cruelty and pointlessness of it. But the final injustice of your death was that it became what you were most known for instead of the truly incredible and gallant ways you escaped arrest from the Nazis on several occasions, rescued POWs, freed prisoners, saved injured soldiers, acquired critical intelligence that changed the outcome of the entire war and did it all proudly without complaint. You became a media sensation, undermining the serious and monumental work you had done. One of your biographers, Claire Mully, rightfully believes that you should be acknowledged for your heroism instead of you, quote, her legacy lies in her inspirational example of a Pole fighting for Britain and her country's allies, and as a woman serving so effectively behind enemy lines. All too often, women in the resistance are presented in romantic terms as brave and beautiful. Christine, of course, had both of these qualities, but she also made a hugely significant contribution to the Allied war effort, unquote. Here's to you, Christina Scarbeck, a.k.a. Christine Granville, one of the most extraordinary people I have ever had the honor to learn about. You fit more into your short life than most people can even imagine. You parachuted into danger. You wielded grenades. You dodged bullets. Volunteered to ski into enemy-occupied territory, all the while making men fall in love with you. You were 
in my opinion, the bravest of the brave. The entire world owes you a great debt. And at the very least, we owe it to you to honor your legacy as much more than a woman murdered by a rejected admirer. And I would just like to say, this is not part of the love letter, but I know people want to know. Muldowney was hanged for Christine's murder on September 30th, 1952. And that is the harrowing, adventurous, daring, incredible, and tragic life of the longest serving female spy of World War II. Melissa, well done. That's the most amazing story I've ever heard. That was incredible. Thank you. Sweethearts, we hope you loved that love letter. We're going to see you back on Thursday with a brand new love letter. And until we meet again, then darlings, stay in love. Thanks for listening to Love Letters 2, a Hemlock Creatives production. Feel like showing some love to Love Letters 2? We'd love it if you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media. You can find us at Instagram or Facebook at Love Letters 2 Podcast. You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings, stay in love.